We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. It has been, man, it feels like a long time. It's only been one week since our last show. We previewed the Royal Rumble on our last show. We're bringing you another pro wrestling show. We were supposed to drop this on Sunday, but... My stepdaughter and daughter both had birthdays on Sunday. Me being the good dad that I am, I had to take one out to dinner. I had to do virtual shopping with the other one. So my Sunday was pretty tied up after the Rumble. That's why on this episode, we'll give you the Royal Rumble recap. We'll be talking AEW and NXT because we haven't talked about those in two weeks. So tons of pro wrestling in the middle and end of this show. I wanted to start off with something that was a question asked to me yesterday. So I put it in the rundown, and it's kind of timely because, Dre, you've been talking about a lot of this in our group chat. What is the qualifications for a black movie? And it was in quote, black movie. I mean, a black cast, primarily. Not director. Director because a black director can do any movie, and you wouldn't qualify as, like, F. F Gary Gray has done white movies with, with predominantly white cast. Black mm. movies are genuinely generally consists of a black cast. Now, if you get a black director, that's uh, that's an added bonus. Um, but for the most part, I would say it, it consists of a black cast. You need a black cast to have a black movie. Yeah, I was thinking about this because I don't know how many black directors get to do non-black movies. They do. I mean, Antoine Fuqua, you have, uh, like I said, F. Gary Gray, um, they then, a lot of them cast do they do action movies right they yeah. end up doing like big action movies, um, and those aren't predominantly black cast. But it's almost as rare as it is to have a black director, and especially even when you look at you know Ava DuVernay and you look at other black women directors, it's it's rare. But when you really think about it, man, there's not a lot of films up until just recently that had predominantly black cast. I mean, you got to go back to the early 90s right late 80s like where you look at um i mean shit like mo better blues you look at um movies any eddie murphy movie i mean we'll talk see, about even eddie murphy movies, like, like he was just a, he was a black lead 
right? So it's not not saying this. See, it's funny because you like black movies are like in quotes because you just want a movie to be a fucking movie, right? It shouldn't yeah. be this difficult. But the even you know Forty Eight Hours and Trading Places, those are movies where Eddie was a black lead. Denzel Washington has been a black lead. I don't yep. think. Um, everything that Denzel has been in is considered a black movie because it doesn't necessarily have a predominantly black cast, like Flight, for instance. But when you look at Spike and Spike Lee's movies are mostly black people do the right yep. thing. It's still cons- considerably uh, and mostly when I talk about mostly black cast, the leads are black. That's that's kind of like the most important thing. But um, it's it's hard to say, oh, because you have a black director. Uh, that makes it a black movie. No, I got to see myself because ultimately at the end of the day, I need to see me to consider this a black movie. If I do not, then I don't necessarily consider it a black movie. So we have, like you said, a lot of movies, even you know, coming up, coming out. It seems like the representation is is rolling along, like especially on the back of the Black Lives Matter movement and everything seems like hopefully it's not just like a microwave situation that there's more funding more resources for our people to tell our stories and other stories outside of that uh there was that weird uh black sci-fi thing that everyone was into that i did not watch which was a tv show uh was that lovecraft country yeah yeah didn't watch that uh it was a little too weird for me but that's uh, another example of television coming along um one night in miami just came out which we haven't talked about on the show i don't think no we haven't um you really like the film i love it i don't feel as strongly as you too much dialogue for you right no no actually i, I thought the dialogue was cool because that's something where you kind of take these liberties right and they took the liberties, and I, and I thought how the characters played off of each other was pretty cool. I, I think when the characters were solo without the dialogue is where I had the problems. Like, that Jim Brown scene, from what I've seen documentaries, seen of Jim Brown television, granted, I wasn't there at that time, but what I saw of Jim Brown, looking back, and everything I've seen, that wasn't his personality. But it was, because that happened. I understand the situation happened, the dialogue when he is alone. Mm. Right? Like, when you're taking liberties. Like, I I think the character came out in that first scene very mousy to me. And that's not the Jim Brown I know. Now, again, when they're all together and you you start doing, okay, Jim had a different different bounce to him. That mousy character was kind of odd to me. And that's just little things. I like the movie, but like that was little things. The Ali in ring, um, the kid who played Ali was great in the dialogue between everyone. The mannerisms in ring, the the movements, you know, being a boxing stickler, all this shit. Like I, I don't know if he nailed that. But then they got into dialogue and it was good. So it, to me, it was like kind of when they were by themselves. Where I was like, nothing sticks out about these characters until they got around each other, and then they started like pouring into the characters themselves. So, first and foremost, the Jim Brown situation did happen. Sam Cooke's situation did happen. Correct. There, every the only thing that was fictionalized was what happened in that hotel room, which nobody knows. All we do know is that after 
those four were in that hotel room, everything changed for everyone. So the, the it was based on a play which created what they thought the dialogue would be because obviously Ali came out and joined the nation. Malcolm didn't like he was out of the nation shortly thereafter. Sam Cooke, the only thing that I know that was comp- that was wrong and fabricated was change going to come was done before they were in the hotel. But everything else was pretty factual. And if you talk to a lot of African Americans in the 60s, they just had to deal with it. Like being called, you know, colored or a nigger and, and dealing with white people is you just had to deal with that shit. Everybody wasn't like going to fight somebody for being called a nigger back in the day. So even somebody like Jim Brown, it doesn't sound like his character, but you got to consider the 60s was a completely different racial climate. Exactly. Well, I'll give that. Um, and Jim is alive. So like, honestly, for the one person you can reach out to, to be like, yo, how did this go? You can probably get a sit down with Jim Brown. He won't want to talk about it. He's gone on record and said he doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to talk about the hotel room. He doesn't want to, like, he won't talk about those things. I somewhat admire that, but it's still a lot. It's not. He doesn't want to talk about it. It, It's his past. He doesn't want, especially with the hotel, whatever happened in that hotel, he's going to take to the grave with him. Like, he's, he's old, for one, and he doesn't give a shit, for two. It's not important for him to answer our questions about who he was because we've gotten to see him become an actor, an athlete, um, and we've seen him grow old. He's the last one left. So he takes pride in carrying whatever it is that he has with him to the grave. It's not important for him to share that with the world. Listen, his prerogative, fine by me. But the the dialogue between them... I thought was was pretty good. I, I thought maybe Ali was the the best of the roles. I don't, I, I don't know. Cook was pretty good too, though. No, I mean, listen, man. The the, the cat that played Malcolm X was incredible. You think? Absolutely. If you ever watched Malcolm ruin the role for me. If if you've watched Malcolm speak, and I've mm-hmm. watched a ton of Malcolm speak, both on and off the podium. The mannerisms, he nailed every single mannerism. The adjustment of the glasses, how he puts his hands on his hips. He was incredible. Now, listen, Denzel is Denzel. Yeah. There's, there's no top. Like, Denzel, I will, I will argue that he is the greatest actor of this generation, period. This generation and probably the previous generation. I don't think anybody touches Denzel. I think the closest person to Denzel, there's two people. Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio. Outside of that, body of work, nope. Like, you hire, like, somebody posted on Facebook, like, yo, Denzel or Sam Jackson. Are you kidding me? There's, nah. there's no comparison here. Sam Jackson and, is just Sam Jackson. Yeah, and I like Sam. And listen, I like Samuel Jackson. But yeah. when it comes to Denzel, because you hire Denzel to be Denzel, but being Denzel is being able to capture emotions, situations, facial expressions, like, it's almost impossible for anybody else to duplicate what Denzel does when that camera turns on. He is incredible. So when it comes to Malcolm, yeah, man, it's like <laughs> there was no, there's no, he killed, he, like I, I've said it a million times. He did that role so much justice that as a child, it was hard for me to see the real Malcolm X. For a long time, I kept seeing Denzel. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> he was that good. But this guy, like, uh, when I in Miami was, I thought he was. I thought they were all incredible. Honestly, Al Hodges, Jim Brown was great. I thought they were all great. But 
like I said, jeez, uh, I can't even think of his name right now. The guy who plays Muhammad Ali put Will Smith to shame in that role. You just never liked Will Smith as Ali, though. No, I like Will Smith as an actor, but I can tell when somebody's cosplaying as somebody else. There's no way. Like, Will Smith was not good. We've talked about it a million times. He was not good as Ali, and that movie sucked. I mean, I like this young kid as Ali. I think it's a different... It took the right play of Ali to me, which is kind of why I'm worried about, like, the Jamie Foxx version of Tyson. Oh, I'm not worried about it at all. Jamie's Uh, never failed. Jamie's incredible, but... I really like, and this way sound really weird too. I don't like old Batman's either, um, but I really like when you can capture, like the, in my opinion, the heyday of someone or that coming of age version of that person. And to me, those years were early '60s for Ali, you know, and, and like Will. A lot of that movie and a lot of the will came, you know, what, Rumble in the Jungle, Ali yeah. on, and he captured that version of Ali, which I get it and cool, but I love this this young, vibrant, I'm pretty, like the young Ali is just, oh, it's my favorite, and this kid did it perfectly, because you got that youthful enthusiasm. You got that, like, yo, this is a, a 19, 20-year-old kid around grown men. Yeah. Like he captured that version of Ali, which was amazing. He made him, yes, he is the king of the world, right? The king of the world, but he's impressionable. He he still has these rose-colored glasses. This The kid who played Ali was great because he played Ali in that moment perfectly. The depth to it was insane. Absolutely. So I, I like that about it. Um, again, when they were together, thought that movie was great. I'm really looking forward uh, to some movies that are coming up. Uh, I forgot the joint that's coming up in two weeks. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah. Thank you. Judas Next and the week. Black Messiah. Next week. I can't wait for that one. Oh, I can't wait because I've been... in fe- like The Fred Hampton story is the story as a kid. I couldn't wrap my head around because... You know, reading about the Black Panthers, you read about Fred Hampton, and you read about Fred Hampton being killed by the FBI and this crazy police raid and shooting, and then you realize that he's only 21. And as a kid, I was like, I'm trying to find Fred Hampton books. Like, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X. I need to find, you know, autobiography or, or something about Fred Hampton. So I read about Che Guevara. I read about all these these important people, Martin Luther King, but I couldn't find nothing on Fred Hampton. It wasn't until I got older that I realized he didn't even live a life. He died before, like at his legal drinking age. There's a reason why it's been very difficult to put on a book because all you do is really tell his childhood that he's dead. Yep. So Judas and the Black Messiah is a movie that I've been you know dying to see because one you have Kugler, the Lucas brothers uh, also co-wrote it. Um, you got Daniel Kalea and Lakeith Stanfield, and I just I've already I know two people that have seen it already, and they are just like. They know me, and they're like, you're going to love this movie. So I, I can't wait to see it. Um, and those are tough stories to tell, and I've waited all these years. Because I remember, if anybody remembers the Black Panther movie called Panther with Tyron Turner that came out in, like, 95, it was fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> so I've been dying for, like, a real movie about, especially somebody like Fred Hampton, who did so much in so little time and is already gone. So, And I'm sure we'll talk about it when, when it debuts on HBO Max, because I ain't going to no goddamn movie theater. 
Nah, nah. I would listen. You've left the house once, and it was to take a very cryptic photo in the studio, like you were engineering a track for boys to men. Yeah, yeah. I can't. You had a you had a very thick sweater on in what I can only imagine be a hot ass studio. It wasn't that bad, but yeah, can't even talk about what we were filming. But yeah, <laughs> Dre's dropping a mixtape. In case you guys are wondering, no, <laughs> no. No, absolutely. I feel not. I feel like you got one in you. One yeah. mixtape, in and out of the game. Um, before we move on, we're on the topic of black movies and black television shows. I think we talked about television shows before. We have. Um, not really black movies. What is your Mount Rushmore of black films? That is mine is tilted because that's impossible. Outside of one, they're all comedies. Really? Yep. Yeesh. Outside of one, they are all comedies for me. Well, then you go um, first, because I'm, I'm com- very curious what you're Coming saying. to America is on it. So, Coming to America is one. Malcolm X is two, even though it was long as hell. Listen, I love the movie, um, but it's hard to watch all the time. But I try to watch it, like, every two or three years, uh, just because it's phenomenal. And then... <laughs> you will hate this. Uh, next Friday is on there over Friday, but I can take either one, whichever is your preference, uh, to be on the Mount Rushmore list. And then this is always the to- toss up for me. And I will probably put Boys in the Hood as four. Toss up Even- between that and what? Oh, shit. Just in, in that genre. Like, I'm a huge Nino Brown guy. Right? So, like, when I look, New Jack City and Boys in the Hood are my toss-up. And being from New York, like, how the fuck do you not put New Jack City? But then I watch Boys in the Hood, I'm like, yo, this shit's so good. Um, I flip my mind again. New Jack City at four, Boys in the Hood at five. But there's only four spots in Mount Rushmore. New Jack City is not a better movie. So I guess two comedies, one not, and two regular movies. Wow, I don't think I have a comedy on my list. Um, What coming to America is not on your list? That's like the most quotables. Yeah, I know, but do the right thing. Uh, Okay, and that's like one of my favorite movies of all time. So do the right thing, absolutely. Uh, Moonlight, because Moonlight's fucking incredible. Um, and then it gets dicey because it becomes get Moonlight out. Moonlight is a lock. I watched Moonlight. Hell yeah, Moonlight is fu- like I watched it again recently. Yeah, that movie is fucking incredible. Not just because of the the content, but the acting, the way the movie is filmed, the way it's lit. It it's it's very difficult to like anybody who has worked in film and production it is very difficult to get white people to understand how to light black people and Mm. moonlight makes dark skin look absolutely gorgeous because not only is the acting great the scenes just they look incredible so yes moonlight is moonlight is a lock on my list um so do the right thing moonlight and then it gets dicey because it's like get out um my sleepers always set it off I love Set, set off It Off. Great. I watched that again like three months ago, but I like yeah. Set It Off and Dead Presidents are two movies that I absolutely love, and I never thought they got enough praise because if they came out today, people would be all over them. 
but they came out at a time when there was like a ton of them. Fresh also. Fresh is also an, another movie that is extraordinarily underrated. You love Fresh. I love, dude. Uh, first <laughs> of all, Sam Jack up. and Fresh is great, um, but this the concept of chess. All that shit is great. Uh, but I probably put Boys in the Hood because of what it did to me as a child and what it what it made me want to do with myself. Um, going to Morehouse was Outcast and Trey. That's how that shit happened, straight up. Um, so, and then, yeah, I, I really consider maybe, like, Get Out is really close. I love Crooklyn. Um, so, I don't know what the four spots. So, I can't, it's hard for me to put a comedy in. I love coming to America. But movies resonate, and then, oh, never mind, Malcolm X. Um, so yeah, they, Malcolm X was, like, a given to me. Just because that portrayal, like... Alone, just stand alone. Denzel in that movie is just phenomenal. Yeah. How he didn't win an award for that, I, I'll never know. Well, well, I know because Al Pacino won for *Sin of a Woman* that that year, which was like a a makeup for him not winning for, if I remember correctly, *Godfather*. Even though De Niro was better in *Godfather* too, but that's all another story. Um, and then Denzel will win it years later for tra- *Training Day*. But under no circumstance, and not *Sin of a Woman* is, is fantastic, but. Denzel's that he murdered that role like there's it was almost it was untouchable for goddamn almost 30 years because of what Denzel did to that role so yeah that's that's Moonlight yeah Moonlight's a lot a lot of people may be surprised about that but I watched it again and I was like Jesus this is a really 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 fucking good movie so yeah no comedies make no comedies make my list nope wow just deep ass movies yep okay I, listen, I'm not mad at that. Also on the and, outside is uh, Black Panther. Because the representation in that film was incredible. But it's just outside of my Mount Rushmore. Yeah. I mean, the the movie, when I go back and watch it, it's good still. But it's not, like, amazing in the terms of how these other movies are. Another, like, in my Mount Rushmore, I would put Friday for nostalgia, right? Like, I just like Next Friday better, but I'm not an idiot. So I would put, like, the first Friday in my Mount Rushmore. Like, Black Panther isn't that. You know, like, it's not... When you look at the, the screen, like, being in New York, I'd be like, yo, that's what Cali's like? Um, and, and again, same thing with Boys in the Hood, where you look, you'd be like, yo, it transports you to a place I had never seen before. Because I'm concrete, jungle, you know, everything. Hood is so different in New York. Hood is so different in the Midwest. Where overseas, it transported you to L.A. And I was like, yo, it's so different. That feeling is so different. And uh, Black Panther is an amazing movie. But it's not that in terms of um, just that what the movie stands. Like, I could watch this shit every day. And get right back to the point. Black Panther was great in the moment. Yeah, two two other movies that I like. This one one movie that comes very close to making the list, and you might consider it comedy, but it's is I don't know. The Best Man. I can watch The Best Man every time it comes on. Really? Hell yeah! Love that fucking movie. I was always a wood guy. I'm a wood guy too. I like that's the other movie. Like I watch okay. those movies. <laughs> that's I, a comedy. Yeah, the wood yeah, is up there. But The Best Man because you had black people being black without overtly telling you they're black but being like successful the only thing that i hated about the best man was actually in the sequel because morris chestnut being a 40 year old running back is fucking ridiculous 
<laughs> That's true. A starting tailback. Though he was a great shape. Dude, who can dude? Because in the, in the best man, uh, in the best the best man two, whatever the hell it was called, uh, the fact that Morris Chestnut was about to break the rushing record, the all time rushing record, as a yeah. starting tailback for a team that was in the playoffs is absurd. <laughs> it was a little odd. And then he needed like two hundred yards, so he rushed for like two hundred yards in that game. Get out of here. Carried by the O line. <laughs> Come on, man. That That's was a good crazy. movie, though. That was a, that was a good sequel. Like to do a sequel that far uh, as the original, that it was, was really well done. It was done well, it but I, I love the best man because you get. I mean, like Tate Diggs, Morris Chestnut. Funny thing is, like if we're going like way off, but if you look at the best man, Terrence Howard was great in that movie. Um, God, I hate Terrence Howard though. Yeah, but he he was great in that movie. Just like that, because, yeah, like <laughs> you know, Nia Long. Like I mean, the the movie, the the casting was incredible, and it was it was just a great story. And every time it comes on, I watch it. That in the wood doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'll drop everything I'm doing to watch either of those movies. Anytime. Oh yeah, I watch the wood whenever. That shit's always hilarious. And then uh, on the fringe of my list again, another comedy, just because I'm a comedy guy. Life, I like. Every time I watch Life, I'd be like, yo, I forgot how good this fucking movie is. I was never high on it as everybody else when I first saw it. And then it's like slowly climbed up the older I've gotten. Oh, my God. The auxiliary characters are so great in that movie. Jing Lang. Jing Like, Ber- Bernie's batting stance is hilarious. Yes. The uh, Or pitching stance. And then the kid who can hate, like, even... uh. The white woman he fell in love with the the guy who, the guard at the um you know at the jail or at the prison like he had crazy death all the auxiliary parts of that shit were crazy i was like man uh martin's girl like everything in that movie i was like yo everyone crushed every role in this yeah like every single one. one not on my mount so, rushmore but it's no, nah, but it's one of those fringe joints. So, uh, no, nah, yeah, I want to talk about that. We've been talking about black movies and television a lot in the group chat lately. So I figured let's bring this to the pod. Now it's time to take a break because when we come back, we're going to talk about what we came here to talk about. That's the Royal Rumble. WWE had a moment of black excellence in there as well. So we'll carry on the theme. It's Black History Month. It's a great way to kick it off. So we appreciate you guys for listening. Stay right there. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. All right, we'll be back to the show in a second. But first, everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll be able to get your show pushed on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, just that quick, we are back. And as promised, we're talking about the Royal Rumble. Trey, we watched the reverse Rat Pack, minus you, watched together as a group. You were working and doing some live posts and everything. You jumped in at the end of the Rumble, which was great. But we all, everyone else watched together. Shout out to the Rat Pack. It was fun. I Overall, we'll start this as we usually do. Overall grade for this Royal Rumble? C plus. That's stiff. Yeah, I don't. I I just had a conversation with somebody else about this. I didn't think it was that good of a show. I, do, I agree. I mean, I didn't think it was a C C anything. C plus. I think yeah. it had one mediocre match, one bad match. But all right, we'll go through. Um, I'll give it a B, just a middling B, no plus, no minus. B. It is a eighty-three percent yeah, on my grading scale. Uh, yeah, no, you obviously dropped it down to the seventies. So first, we have oh well, pre-show we got to talk about it because the Queen Charlotte Flair is there. Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler beating Oscar and Charlotte Flair on the pre-show to pretty much continue the Charlotte Flair, uh, what's her face storyline with her father. Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans with Ric Flair. Fucking hated this. Why? Like, Asuka is the champion. And I'm not sure how she's ever going to defend the title or get the title taken off of her without a feud. I, I don't understand. She's just going to lose her probably Elimination Chamber at this point. The uh, This match, the work was fine. The moment that Lacey Evans and Ric Flair came out, I was out. I was done. Because I knew what this match was for. It was to further that storyline. Yep. And in order to get this title off of Asuka, because I have asked this question a million times, nobody remembers any feud she's been in. She's a, an auxiliary character with the title. Her feud with Alexa Bliss was more about Randy Orton than it was Alexa Bliss and uh, Asuka. This tag team shit is more about Charlotte than it is about Asuka. She lost on Raw. She got pinned because Charlotte went to the back. To chase Lacey Evans. She ate the pin. 
The champ ate the pin. They have done Oscar. Like, there are people who say, well, Oscar's a champ. They haven't done it dirty. Jack Swagger was a champ. Alberto Del Rio was a champ. There's a lot of people who've been champions. and, and that I doesn't argue that Alberto Del Rio's run was okay. But sure, go ahead. I'm just saying, like, when you become a second, like, when you are carrying the title, you should be the focus of the division. Yep. When it comes to Roman Reigns, he's the, the biggest focus on SmackDown. And I've, I've said maybe on the verge of being overexposed. But nobody's bigger than Roman Reigns. And he has the championship. Drew McIntyre is the guy. They'll be damned if they have another storyline supersede Drew McIntyre with the title. But Asuka? The, she, she doesn't even have a feud. So this match, like Charlotte Lacey is like the program out of Raw, right? Yep. And then it seems like Alexa Bliss has a bigger role than Asuka. And she, she does. Lana coming back has a bigger, has more of a story than Asuka. They're just going to get the title off Asuka. Just go ahead and do it. They just, they've just fucked Asuka every which way. Becky gave her the title after WrestleMania. And she has not been able to necessarily do anything memorable with it. Kari Sane is gone. She had a great match with Sasha, but that wasn't really even a feud. Uh, no. She hasn't done anything. So I hated this for that reason. It's like your champion has become such a secondary act. And then Nia and Shayna Baszler with the tag titles is like, why did you even take it off of him if you were going to do this? Yeah, that made no sense. Then you just put it back on. Like, it doesn't further storyline between Asuka and Charlotte either. Which would be the purpose of them becoming tag champions, right? Like, so they can beef and you can kind of split them. Having Lacey Evans be the person that gets Charlotte, then what for Oscar? Probably, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I think it ends up in Elimination Chamber. But either that or Oscar gets mad at Charlotte for being predisposed with Lacey Evans costing them the tab titles, even though you should be more concerned with your title. But it never, none of this ever made sense. Charlotte teaming with Oscar didn't even make sense. Charlotte's going to win the Elimination Chamber and face Oscar at WrestleMania. I, dude, I don't that know. That might if- be where Charlotte and Lacey end. They continue it into the Elimination Chamber. Ric Flair tries to call Charlotte. Charlotte overcomes and wins the Elimination Chamber because Charlotte must win every single thing a woman has in that company. I just, and dude, she does not have that on her resume yet. I don't know if Oscar will have the title coming heading into WrestleMania. Without a hot feud, I can't justify how the WWE would see, hey, let's put Oscar anywhere but the pre-show. I, I think she does just because... I would agree with you when I thought Alexa and Asuka was going to continue. I think Alexa is just going to keep going with Orton. And they are going to completely forget which creeped Asuka out and beat her clean. Again? What the fuck? Because they just went into now it was Alexa versus Nikki Cross going back on their feud from a year or their partnership from a year ago. It's stupid, man. And she just popped up on Randy Orton again. So it's just... Alexa is tied to The Fiend until further notice. Now, again, later on, they might both get titles, but I don't see them moving that way for Mania. Yeah. Um, Because, again, Alexa would have to beat Charlotte. Charlotte must pose. So then we have the first fight on the main card, Drew McIntyre versus Goldberg. It is technically a two-minute match. They fought for four minutes before the bell rang. This is stupid. This this these are the reasons why I say this is C plus pay per view, because or network special whatever you call it. Was this match? This match was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Spear Claymore, Spear Jackhammer, Claymore, pin one two three. 
What else happened? Did I miss that anything? That was it? No. How many people kicked out of the jackhammer? Mm. It was fairly protected, right? Yeah, it was. I think Drew, I don't, did Lesnar kick, did he even get jackhammered? No, I think, he, Goldberg's not picking up Lesnar's big ass. That's true. Goldberg so barely got, got Drew spears. But Goldberg barely got Drew up. He just he just looked like he had no business being in this match. I didn't care for it. I get what they were trying to do. Like, oh, Drew is like this great champion. He beat a 55-year-old man. Like, come on. I didn't care for this shit. It, it happened. There was some people like, this was awesome. No, this was not Goldberg and Lesnar. That was pretty dope. This, there was no chance Drew was going to lose the title. So, I didn't give a shit about this match. Three people have kicked out of the jackhammer. So, Hulk Hogan kicked out April 5th, 1999. Oh, Christ. Yeah, on an episode of Nitro. Then, Taker kicked out at Super Showdown. Wow. nineteen. That bullshit-ass match? Okay. All right. Well. Yep. And that jackhammer looked horrible, I guess. Yes, it did. He almost dropped Taker on his head. I remember that. And then, Lesnar kicked out um, of the jackhammer. It doesn't tell me one. Yeah, I don't care. All right. So. This was dumb. Drew would be the fourth. And just the fourth time. Four people, four times. Have ever kicked out a jackhammer. Three in the most recent memory. Yeah. So that shit's right below the one-winged angel. Dude, like, since we're, you know, we don't want to spend too much time talking about, like, Raw and everything. But they, so they go from Drew to beating Goldberg. Shameless finally turning on Drew, which was the most predictable thing that anybody with two eyes could have saw. And Drew should have seen this coming as well. There is no way in hell they go this direction with WrestleMania. unless This this would be the most absurd thing they could possibly do. No, no. You got to... At this point, you're looking at the landscape. A lot depends on what Edge chooses. I'm inclined to think he chooses Roman Reigns. Feels like the only way he can go, right? Yeah, Unless I mean, the, baby face versus baby face is really fucking weird. It's it's really weird. It's difficult to pull off. Um and it's just like I mean, we'll talk about it when we get there. I interviewed Edge and the, every everything. If you guys aren't reading my interviews with these guys on Sport News, they spoil a lot of their own shit. And I don't know if it just it's just kind of like coincidence. Like Uso said, I'm gonna team up with Roman Reigns even if he beats me. What happened? Yep. He said it. Bianca, which we'll get there. It seems like uh, there, it could go a different direction. Seems like she's going to challenge Sa- Sasha in a Black History moment. Um, Keith Lee mentioned something about he spoils something in his own narrative. And a lot of times they don't know. And maybe it's pure coincidence. But Edge, the way he talked in this interview that I, that's getting published on Thursday, because I don't have time to do it today, seems very clear that he's angling towards Roman Reigns. That it makes, for in his, in his head, it doesn't even make sense to challenge Drew. In a face versus face match. So Drew versus yeah. Sheamus, and then what? Well, again, Elimination Chamber has to lead to something. So we didn't know Kofi Mania until Elimination Chamber, right? Yeah, like, but that's we, wild. We kind of knew. Like, we had, there was momentum <laughs> for Kofi to challenge for the title heading into Elimination Chamber, right? Like, we had our doubts because he's black. If he wasn't black, we would think that Kofi was going to WrestleMania. No, because Mustafa Ali was supposed to catch it. Right, but um, so that took oh, yeah, off yeah, yeah. two weeks. Damn. It wasn't Rumble. It was after the Rumble. What? Kofi Mania was eight weeks. Wait, wait, wait. That is, that sounds crazy. Because Royal Rumble, was that in early January that year? 
That means Royal, uh, Elimination Chamber had Chamber to be like early, early February. February. Yes, it was eight weeks between that hmm. and Mania. Oh, Kofi yes. Mania. Oh, yes. That was it. Okay. Because you know who the original opponent was supposed to be for Daniel Bryan? I Ooh. tend to, f- I found these things out through people. Kevin Owens. Oh. And they well, pivoted to, to Kofi been. because of the, the, the crowd response. Yep. Okay. But I'm okay with either one. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's fine. Um, so you, you look at that and it's like, okay, cool. Kofi Mania was eight weeks and a great build. But it was an accident. So it was an accident. But you can build every year off of Elimination Chamber and only need seven weeks. Yeah, but I don't think you even have that much time. Elimination Chamber is not until when? Because Mania is like a month after Elimination Chamber this year. So you got to build something. No, Mania was moved back two weeks. To what? It's like April 10th or something like that, right? April 10th, yeah. Elimination Chamber is what? March? Or the end of February? Should be February. Hold on, I'm getting the exact date right now. Because Takeover is on Valentine's Day, which is stupid because I'm definitely not watching it on Valentine's Day. Um, I kind of like that. I mean, I'll, I'll probably watch it. Some lonely shit. Time. There's some lonely people life right there. Like if there's a bunch, if they expect a bunch. The week of- after Chambers, February 21st. So yeah, eight just, weeks. It just doesn't feel like dog. Whoever wins the Elimination Chamber, it's going to be really challenging for them to. It's clear, like, Roman's headlining one night at WrestleMania, and it feels like Sasha should headline the other. It doesn't feel like Drew should be headlining. And the only, and I'm going to go back to it because I hate it. The only other person I could think of is The Fiend. If it ain't Sheamus, which it really shouldn't be, and they blew it with Keith Lee. Why'd they blow it with Keith Lee? They still got beat. Again, we already had the match. We didn't get to see, and Keith lost. So you, you can go through and try to build they, Keith they in Elimination Chamber. But, you know, the Rona hit the household, so we didn't get to see Keith in the Rumble. I'm just saying, they, they ain't going that direction. They're not. They just called up Damian Priest. Who's also getting a nice little boost. For what? You know how this goes. We talk about this oh, every this time. for like a month. Like, I mean, once Bad Bunny's gone, then I don't, I don't know what's left. Everything's a month long. Everything's yeah. a month long. Call up from NXT, they're hot for like 45 days, and they just burn them out. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah I, dog, I have no idea what they're going to do with Drew. But that Sheamus thing just feels so stupid. Because, like, damn, Drew, are you that dumb? His best friend. Since when? <laughs> I mean, he was beating his ass when they were best friends. But then they'd get a beer. Uh, this is stupid. Anyway. There's no beer after this one. Moving on. Uh, that angle would have been funny and fine if you didn't shoehorn Goldberg into it. Which was dumb. But anyway. Yes. So... Okay, cool. Drew needs something to do at Elimination Chamber. No, he doesn't. Sheamus will just be that He'll person. just show up. Just be there. Yeah, I mean, but Sheamus, that will be his his match at Elimination Chamber. <sighs> and then you have... You still got Miz with the money in the bank the briefcase, too. This is, this is outrageous. Why? Miz does have the briefcase. Yeah, there's know. a lot of silence there because nobody knows. Like, we're both... Yeah, like, I don't... He already cashed in and failed. And then they found a stupid-ass loophole. How are you going to have him fail twice? Is he going to be the first man to fail twice? Doug, they need to put a stipulation where the, the Money in the Bank briefcase needs to be up for grabs in Elimination Chamber. They got to get that shit off of him. It's that pointless. would be great. Something. I don't know. But, I mean, that's the same stipulation, right? Because the winner goes to Mania anyway. No, no, no. The briefcase, you don't have to cash in. You choose when you cash it in. I don't, Doug, I don't know. I don't know. I just think I Raw is a mess right now. That's all we do know. Yes, it makes no sense. Uh, and then next match, Sasha Banks versus Carmella with Reginald. It was all right. It wasn't as good as their last match. 
which was on like regular TV. C plus. You see, everything here is like it's not it was okay. bad. It wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad match, but we seen better out of these two, and the 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 few kind of it's not the same. Like we already saw Sasha win. Like they're just putting a pin on it, but the match was all right. It's cool. Yeah, but now we now Sasha gets a new opponent, and hopefully we get more heelish Sasha. Because right now she's kind of just tweening, you know. Mm-hmm. Like she can lean more into being a heel and go against Bianca, who's now after. The next match we'll talk about, 30-woman Royal Rumble match. Um, Bianca eliminates the recently moved up Rhea Ripley That's to win the Royal Rumble. Hmm. And then Bianca entered at... Three. Three. 48 minutes she lasted. Yep. And went all the way through. Ed's pretty damn good. She's crying after. It's one hell of a moment. And she's just the epitome of a baby face right now. Like, it's it's great to the point where I'm scared because I think Sasha has to lose again at WrestleMania. Hmm. She could because Bianca's lost every opportunity she had as well, which makes this really interesting. If they go that direction, there is a part of me that wonders because part of my interview with Edge, he kind of talks about where he gets into the Rumble and when he finds out everything's nothing has been booked long term here. They could pivot on Bianca and have her challenge Asuka. Good. I hope they don't, because we all want Sasha and Bianca. Um, but Bianca, it, like her emotions, like I, I actually watched the bump this morning. I never watched that shit, and like just watching Bianca with Tez, like it was incredible. And she's just like the sweetest person you'll ever meet. If anybody's ever had a chance to interview, she's incredible. She's like a great person. Now the Rumble itself, it wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It was not good. Tell me, here's my problem with the Royal Rumble. Both of them. What do you remember out of this Women's Royal Rumble? That's an unfair question. No, it's not. Be- Bailey went a long time. I'm just saying, like, what do you remember? I remember them missing Bailey get eliminated. Yes. You just cut away and then went back and Bailey's on the outside. I don't remember um, any significant, like, Naomi and Bianca helping each other back. That was great. But at no point in this Royal Rumble did I sit here and go, wow, this is great. There was no like big moments. And I know it's hard because you don't have a crowd either. Yeah. But the final four was a pretty good sprint to the finish. Natalia being in the final four, though? Yeah, that means that mean, I didn't think she was a threat. I'm just saying, Lana sure. was in the final five. This was not a this was not a good Royal Rumble. The women's Royal Rumble where Becky won was good. Last year's was pretty good. The one that Oscar won was the best. Not because Oscar won, because it was actually really good. This one was not good. There was nothing memorable here. It just kind of happened. All we remember is the ending. If Charlotte won, I drew. Rhea Ripley was nerfing people for a she, second. She did. I thought she broke Dana Brooke in half. Yeah, she, she damn near killed her in Dakota Kai, which is, yeah. which is really cool. But what I'm saying is if Bianca didn't win this Royal Rumble, let's just say Charlotte won, I guarantee you'd be singing a different tune. Maybe. I mean... Again, Rhea did really well in the Rumble. Bianca did really well in the Rumble. Outside of that, yeah, no, it didn't have the, the major splash for people showing up. Um, one of the women I had never even seen before. Cause I Santana guess like Garrett, dude. Santana Garrett? It shows you how thin the Rumble... This was the NXT TakeOver Royal Rumble. Yeah, I mean, they didn't even send out the big guns. Even though Shotzi came out, that was dumb. And got eliminated first, which is ridiculous. 
Yeah, it came out in the tank, though. It, 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 dog, it wasn't a good Royal Rumble. I felt like when I watched it, I felt okay about it. Now you're just making me question myself. But in the moment, I thought it was okay. Uh, maybe I'll go back and watch it. But in the moment, I was like, all right, it's not bad. It did have, like, it took a long time to pick up. It did. Any momentum. They just had women in the ring, and then there was, like, I remember I tweeted this. There was a moment where there was, like, 12 people in the ring, and I was like, Where's Nia so we can kind of clear this mess out? There's too many people in the ring, and they're all laying in corners. Oh, Alexa Bliss got the Nia spot. Yeah, but then she got immediately eliminated, which was actually the best part of that Royal Rumble. <laughs> Rhea was like, nope, not letting you hulk up on us. Yeah, like, I see this shit coming. And transform. No, no, no. I saw you transform the past three weeks. But other than you that, it, was, the hell out it was a ton of rest spots. It was a ton of women trying to throw, like, that. that, that I hate it because they do it every Royal Rumble where you have somebody lifted up like they're going over, and then, like, three people try to push that person over, and then they cut to the camera. And then finally that person hits them in the head. It was like, let me go. And they get let go, and they go back to what they're doing. And then you get whoever gets in gets the hot spot. It's hard. Royal Rumbles are difficult to put together. Which is why last year's men's Royal Rumble was really good because Brock had so many moments by himself and another person. It never really got too crowded. And as soon as Brock got eliminated by Drew, it was business picked back up. Edge came out. like There was no lulls in that Royal Rumble. This one, it just felt like, all right. And then there was no, obviously it was like, Natty's not winning. It has to be Bianca. Like we all feared Charlotte might win or maybe Rhea. But it was be- the right person won because she had all the momentum. But other than that, yeah. it wasn't memorable. I mean, and Rhea wouldn't, you know, Rhea to me to put in the end is like, okay, cool. Yeah, it makes sense. Because Rhea, you have that intrigue of like, they might not let Bianca win. Like, it, you know, Rhea is also just how she looks, how she moves, how she operates. Seems like someone Vince would really like. I'm sure she has a victory in her future. Yeah, and it, that was also a callback to last year's triple threat. Remember Rhea versus Charlotte versus Bianca? Oh yeah, NXT. Mm-hmm. That we wanted to be the NXT regular match, but no. Exactly. Somehow Bianca got tossed aside in that feud, uh, even though she carried it on a mic. Yes. So okay, I I like the end of it. How about that? I like the end of that one. Sure. Maybe I'll go down to B minus for my overall grade. You're talking me down on my grade. Next up, Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. He will fight forever. It's, I mean, whew. what do I get? Fight forever. This was Kevin an, Owens can do no wrong. Kevin Owens is. I don't want to say he's underutilized because that goes to Cesaro. But when you need somebody who can bring passion and abuse to a feud, you call Kevin Owens. He's never going to fail you, ever. He's incredible on the mic. He's a great talent. He's a great hand. He'll make you look do good, and he does crazy shit. Yep. He does everything right. The fact that this man is not a bigger star, just period, or had a longer run with like a title is almost blasphemous because he's that damn good. We didn't. Nobody really thought he'd beat Roman Reigns, but still, we were thoroughly entertained until the end of the match. Paul Heyman fumbling the keys? Dog, they... That took forever. They botched this one big time. Where it almost ruined... For a lot of people, it ruined the hell out of the match. For me, it kind of just hurt a little bit. Because the referee needs to be smarter. I'm going to put a lot of the blame on the ref. <laughs> the Roman Reigns is handcuffed to the post. The referee starts counting. Uh, Roman cleverly knocks the, the shit out of the referee. Great spot. Yeah. 
Heyman comes down with the key. They're fumbling with the key. The other referee comes down. He starts counting. There should have been some kind of sign where the referee either counts slower or stalls the count and Kevin's also on the ground or something to that effect. The other thing is, there's one thing that, like I told you, I hate last man standing matches because it gets really weird. There's a part where Roman's like knocked out and then he gets up and falls down. The ref's like, he's up. And I was like, that's so stupid. He's out. <laughs> it's it's dumb, but whatever. But the match itself was great. That ending, man, they needed to figure something out. It just made it look bad because that match was seamless until that those last like three to four minutes where yeah. fumbling keys and referee... He just inexplicably stops counting. He just stops. He's like, fuck it. I'm just not going to count. Yeah, Paul Paul didn't have the right key. It was all bad. And uh, I, I don't mind in that spot the brutality of the match finishing on the guillotine either. He needs jujitsu defense. We need to get Kevin though, Owens with the Gracie. Yeah, I'm, I'm really tired of like the nut shot setting everything up. Yeah, that too. At this point, everyone just got to wear a cup. Or don't spread your legs when you're standing very close to a kneeling man. Yeah, because <laughs> everything turned on a nut shot. Kevin Owens went through like three tables, got hit by a car. Or at least a golf buggy. by a golf cart. Which was, that, it was incredible. It was a car, like, and the nut shot did him in. The NY family just likes to run people over. Rikishi ran over Stone Cold, <laughs> and Roman Reigns ran over Kevin Owens. And all this was great up until the end. The end is just what took me out. Yeah, the nut shot, it's annoying. I don't need that every time Kevin Owens needs to win. I mean, uh, Roman yeah. Reigns needs to win. It was just poorly timed. I understand what they were going for. The execution was off. Yeah. But I don't know how you really practice that. So, <laughs> sure. I, I'm not a stickler for that. I thought it was a good match. And then 30-man men's Royal Rumble to finish the night hour long from first to last edge goes from number one all the way through number one and two were the last one and two in the ring yeah even though two wasn't there for like 50 minutes of the damn match yeah number one and two last men in edge versus orton and edge gets his revenge on orton from last year the last few he had you called this and you were right. Yep. I still don't. I don't know how I feel about this. My question to you becomes: Who else? Well, that's where the problem starts. <laughs> but this is where the problem starts. The problem starts is because the Royal Rumble is used for two things. One is either to build a new star or to get us into a feud that we're really looking forward to. The new star is Bianca. We got that. Yep. This though is challenging because. My problem with Edge winning is he's already won it once. Him going bell to bell, all right, that's cool. But did Edge really need to win the Royal Rumble to get a title shot? Couldn't Edge the just only- call somebody out and people were like, cool, WrestleMania moment, boom. Sure. But the only way, not that they care, but I'm using too much logic, right? Um, they don't use this much logic. When you have a brand split, theoretically, the only way to get this baby face to challenge the biggest heel on the other brand would be to win WrestleMania and call out that champion. So Edge, Edge is on Raw? Because Edge would have been stuck fighting for the title on Raw in any other dynamic. Edge was drafted by Raw? I don't, I don't remember any of this. 
Um, before he left, he was on Raw, wasn't eligible for their most recent draft. So he could have come back to SmackDown. I mean, look. But man, they skipped that. They, they they do this to us every year. They're like, Survivor Series, only time Raw versus SmackDown. No, because the SmackDown before Royal Rumble, you literally had, like, Raw people wrestling on there. AJ Styles, The Miz. Like, it was a bunch of dumb yeah. shit. None of this stuff really matters. Somehow, Big E was just on Raw this week. Yeah. Um, oh, we got Christian. Yes, which was I thought was incredible. And that was, like, the first thing. Like, when I t- talked to Ez, I was like, listen, I don't – Royal Rumble, great. But I, what was it like seeing Christian come out the ramp? And, you know, by the time this comes out, you, some of you read the article. Edge knew he spent the last four weeks helping Christian get cleared to wrestle again. That was his goal. He didn't really, he was worried. He wasn't necessarily concerned. He, his goal was to get into the Royal Rumble and be healthy. But once he knew Jay, Christian, was working to get cleared, the biggest thing on his plate was, I could see my best friend in the Royal Rumble. And I thought that was incredible. To see Edge and Christian yeah. together again, I thought was so great. I I loved it. It was like an emotional moment. And the thing about Edge, and it's another thing in my interview, he Edge goes, the guy that you know as Edge has been a douchebag for a really long time. This is Adam Copeland. Even though I'm still Edge, everything that he does now is more Adam Copeland. And I appreciate that. I like this version of Edge. The promos are incredible. Like everything about him is great. And that moment was great. My problem with this, the Royal Rumble is one, it wasn't that great of a Rumble either. There's a lot of resting bullshit. Edge only eliminated three people and still won, which is crazy. Yeah, it was more of a, a thing of survival for him. Yeah, but. Which is okay because you're an older guy. Like, <laughs> cool. Um, I hate. We've done this spot so many times where we think you won. And then somebody comes in and tries to eliminate you. We do this yeah. like every two years. Roman Reigns did it with Rusev. And then Edge did this with Randy Orton. The funny part about this is, yo, Edge no-sold the shit out of that RKO. <laughs> yeah, he ate that one. He ate it, just got up and tossed Orton out. But there were the, the things that were strange in this match to me, like because if you say, if not him, then who? Well, why did we have Nakamura get this far in the gauntlet? I don't understand. Why? What have we been doing with Daniel Bryan and Cesaro? I don't understand. Why did almost uh, eliminate Big E? They're not even on the same fucking show. I don't understand. Which is weird because kind of that started on Friday, right? Like Big E was IC champion and then like randomly... um. AJ Styles went over there and kind of just started fucking with everyone on SmackDown. It, it, it just was silly. Um, great moment, which is going to lead to nothing unless they change their mind. I didn't know this. Biggie and, and Bobby Lashley have never interacted in the wrestling ring. That was actually pretty dope seeing those two. Yeah. But it's going to lead to nothing because they're on different shows. Uh, Big man bumping meat. Yeah. Da- but that was champ versus champ. Damian Priest, he looked like a million bucks. Yep. And they got to move Bad quick. Bunny actually did a good dive. They, they got to move quick on Damian. He's 38. So they need, they, whatever they're gonna do with him, they need to figure it out quick. And obviously, they just gave him the Keith Lee spot. Keith, remember Keith Lee did the same thing to the Miz and Morrison. Yep. They just did the same thing with Damian Priest. I I I can't for the life of me figure out why they keep calling wrestlers up when you got other wrestlers that I feel like their grades are incomplete. <laughs> I don't know, but this is a case of you've done everything you can in NXT. You got a body type to technically survive on the main roster. You're 38. Like, go get your time. I'm just saying, like, well, then, I don't know. It's, like, I thought he looked great. I think Damian Priest is a guy who looks prime for the main roster. But you still got guys like Riddle. You still have Keith Lee. You still have, yeah. like. I mean, Riddle's an active program, so that's that's fine. Yeah, but 
is Riddle, I don't know. Riddle has not reached his potential, and I don't think he ever will. He's going to be what this is. Um, then you got people like Elias, Jackson Riker. They're taking up room. Now, you're talking about trimming the fat. That's what I'm saying. That's, Move. That's the fact. Get out of the way. Like, get these people out of the way. Jeff Hardy got eliminated dumb early. Carlito's back with the, the, uh, the Usada unapproved apples. Because that, yeah. 240 pounds? God damn. Jeez, Jack. <laughs> looks ripped. But I didn't, this Royal Rumble wasn't that good. Shout out to Mustafa Ali for calling out Yo. what it really is. All the old people come and take a new people's spot. <laughs> listen, man. The WWE has a, a, a bad habit of telling on themselves. And I don't know when somebody's going to be like, yo, Ali, stop. Because you, yeah. <laughs> you're burying us every week. Yeah. It works because he's a heel, and then you can go, oh, he's just whining. But he's turning into a baby face. Yes, he's telling the truth. Because all he does is tell the truth. It's too much truth. But <laughs> It's too much. Yeah. I, Speaking of truth, truth lost his title. Oh, kind of he lost to Peter well. Rosenberg, which I thought was Peter hilarious. Rosenberg. But having him like him in the Royal Rumble, the Women's Royal Rumble, and then Alicia Fox win, I thought that was dumb. Yeah, I mean, truth entering the wrong Royal Rumble, I get it. Yeah, Alicia Fox. All right, she always looks like she's on drugs. Every time I see her, I was like, "Yo, she's on drugs. She has to be." She's she just super spazzy. But the it, it's weird. I was watching on the Zoom, and I think it might have been Justin Ivy's one of the reverse right back. Was like, do you realize people born in two thousand two and two thousand three have only known Alicia Fox as like their first real representation? Yeah. Which is nuts. So, yes. which is why she's beloved. I was like, "Yo, they didn't have Jacqueline, or they they didn't have these people." Like Alicia Fox was like, "Oh, the first black divas champion, or whatever." Like twenty year olds grew up with just Alicia Fox, right? But wild. I don't know. So, all in all, Edge winning. I I don't know how I feel about it because I felt like because if it, let's just say Edge didn't get cleared, what were they yeah. gonna do? <sighs> Seth might have had to win. <laughs> no, they don't laugh. I'm I just think saying. Seth might have had to win, and it would be Seth and Drew. Here, and here's why I say this. And they they got to be like, yo, Seth, sorry, I, I know your wife's about to to pop, but you got to do this. I can't believe people thought Becky was really entering the Rumble. When did she have the baby? Three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah but ain't no damn. They she ain't wrestling. Shit. Anybody who had it? No, 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 no. It's three weeks That's ago. That's what I'm saying. She's still healing. Like, get out of here, guys. People understand how babies work. <laughs> get out of here, guys. That's tough. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you could take a bump at that point. No, you're not taking no bumps, especially getting thrown over the rope. Like, if she has stitches. I mean, she was doing CrossFit at, like, nine months pregnant. So, I'm sure she's in shape. That I mean, the stitches, whatever, healing. But your inside. Yeah, yeah. your insides. And but inside. whatever. But, so, here's my point. And I made this point last week. Heading into the Royal Rumble, only one person, one person cut a promo that said, I need to win the Royal Rumble. And that was Edge. And he ended up winning it. Nobody else, nobody, it didn't make the Royal Rumble feel important. You didn't hear from Big E. You didn't hear from uh, Cesaro. Daniel Bryan kind of mentioned it. It's my last shot, blah, blah, blah. But no, Jey Uso wasn't even in it. Uh, The Fiend wasn't in it. Bizarre. No presence on at the Royal Rumble whatsoever. I'm fine with it, but I'm kind of surprised that you've invested so much in the Fiend and Orton. He doesn't even fucking show up. He hasn't been on TV since they got burnt down. <laughs> Motherfucker's robbing the bank right now. I mean, when he does come back, that's going to be a pretty damn cool move. Is it? 
Because what's he coming I mean, back to the do? Characters, though. To beat the shit out of Orton. That got to be the do, program for Mania. Do you still care about this feud? Sure. I, I like come Alexa on. and everything she's doing. Come sure. on. Randy Orton and The Fiend. Like, come on, man. You remember what happened last time they were at WrestleMania. Yeah, I don't need to see maggots on the floor, but... Yeah. Come on, man. I'm not interested in this shit at all. I like The Fiend as long as he's away from the title. This is away from the title. I don't like the... I stand by my word. Yeah, I, I don't want... I mean, I don't know where else we're going. The Fiend could challenge Drew McIntyre. He could. I don't want him. I know. I, near the. Title. I don't want him there so either. Give but give me him and Randy, and you're the biggest proponent of. Listen, if you have to extend a feud, if you have to carry something on longer, what do you do? Injury. Yeah. Granted, this guy's a mythical creature. They burned him to get him off of television. Alexa's doing a heavy weight. To carry it for like another eight weeks, and then he can come back, and you got into Mania. I, I don't, it's okay for them to finish at Mania. I don't want. They, it's been too long. But this is what you always say to do: take him off TV. No, I, I agree. You take him off TV to ex- like Sasha and Bailey. They could, should have taken ba- Sasha off a lot longer yeah. than they did. Take her off TV. They're actively keeping the fiend off of TV. Yeah, but it's I'm not interested in this feud. That's my problem. I'm and it may be paternity leave, but still. I'm just saying I'm not interested in this feud any longer. Alexa's carrying the weight. Cool. I like what they've done with her. Great. The fiend as an idea is great, but I'm my concern is it's like, what what exactly are we doing with this feud when he comes back? Why I don't care anymore. It wasn't that great to begin with. The burning of the face was cartoonish. That got, that was out of control. Yeah, Orton healed amazingly fast. Man, man's had like this prosthetic nose one week, and the next week he's like completely normal Randy Orton. I look, I don't want him in the title picture. I fear that they always are going to put him in there because that's just my predisposed notion to think they're going to just shove him back in there. So if that keeps him out of the title picture in a feud with Orton, fine, whatever. I don't care about the feud, but they could do worse. So yeah, there. Happy now. <laughs> I guess that's just how you're going to drop the mic. All right. We're going to head to a break. When we come back, we'll touch on AW and NXT because we haven't spoken on either in two weeks to end the show. So make sure you guys stay right there. Still one more segment to go. We'll be right back. We'll get right back to the show in a second. But first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, as promised, we are back. We're going to start off with NXT, and we haven't spoken about NXT in like two weeks. Dre, we haven't missed much. It's really just been focused on the Dusty Rhodes Classic, and... The winners of each, men and women's, are going to take up a big spot in the upcoming Valentine's Day takeover, which is, I don't know, has a funny name. 
it's like NXT Vengeance Day, Whatever. I believe. Uh, but it's on Valentine's Day. It has a cool little heart theme. I'm sure the setting and setup would be really dope. So the past two weeks, though, have been focused on this Dusty Rhodes Classic. So we've seen the teams compete on NXT and on 205 Live. Which nobody watches. Over the past couple of weeks, we see this weird kind of like teaming up between Finn Balor and the Undisputed Era, especially Kyle O'Reilly. I kind of like it. I just don't know where it's going. I don't know where it's going either. I feel like Bobby Fish is hurt, and they, they really don't know what they're doing with anybody right now. And I don't, NXT is in a weird place. Not a bad place. Um, I mean, it's Balor and Dunn is the way that I feel like you're, you have to go. But what they're doing with the Undisputed Era, I can't figure out. Which I kind of like, Balor versus Dunn. It's going to be a good good. Oh, match. I agree. I just, I don't know, what are they doing with, with uh, Kyle O'Reilly? I can't figure this out. Not necessarily, it doesn't make it bad because I can't figure it out. I just want to know what the hell they're doing. So I'm going to keep watching. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, Pete Dunn breaking the fingers was pretty cool. That was funny. Um, again, women's May Young Classic, uh, Dakota Kai and Gonzalez, prob- and Raquel Gonzalez probably should run the table. Yo, in that, because I thought Raquel Gonzalez was going to get the next title shot, but it appears that it has been announced uh, Tony Storm has jumped her in line. I am so confused by this. Why did you have Io Shirai get pinned by Raquel Gonzalez if you weren't going to go in that feud next? No clue. So we get Tony Storm and uh, it's a triple threat. I forgot who else it is. Who are they putting in there? Mercedes Martinez? Yes. Mercedes, Mercedes Martinez, Tony Storm. Versus Io Shirai. I look, man. It'll make for a good match. Fine, I'm just saying. Just too many people attacked. Come on, it, like Io Shirai. Why didn't you? Why, why? Why did you have her lose? I feel like this is the Oscar thing all over again. Hopefully not, but you know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we have Legado del Fantasma in the tournament, but Santos Escobar getting stalked by Karrion Cross kind of intrigues me. So they're keeping Cross away from the title until Mania it appears. Jordy gave it to him. <laughs> I don't understand this. Look, are we trying to turn Cross into a babyface now? No. Phantasma's a clearly a heel. That faction's a heel. Santos Escobar's a heel. Yeah, yeah. Cross is just taking care of anyone. He's not a babyface. Mm. He's gonna fuck up Finn Balor when the time comes. I mean, I don't know. It again, I can't figure out what they're doing. I can't figure out what they're doing with just about anybody. Cameron Grimes has been gone. Uh, even like this women's Dusty Rose Classic, I can't figure like what are they doing? I guess the winners may challenge Shayna and Nia at WrestleMania. Oh, that's a good. It needs some stakes, right? Like you're winning, and so gotta do something. Yeah. I mean, they get the trophy, but who cares? I, I think the first year that's all they got too in the men's. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just trying to find reasons for these things happening. It's because you got a lot of women on the roster. They need something. To they don't have that many That's women. The reason. As soon as we saw Royal Rumble, we were like, oh, there's really not that many women. Oh, NXT is like 16 strong. Like They filled out the bracket. It's not like these are horrible matchups. No, I mean, but. You know. Outside of Aaliyah. Anyway. So, I mean, they, they're getting a lot of people on TV. Um, they're trying to do like this Bronson Reed thing. Yo, real quick. Look, Swerve and Ricochet might as well be the same person. I don't know. Swerve is giving me a little more right now. Swerve is so corny to me right now. 
This heel gimmick is terrible. I hate it. (laughs) It just, it comes off so cheesy, man. There's no swag in it. It's just like, I don't know what this is. I hate it. I got to go back and watch uh, his Evolve stuff. He's a great wrestler. He was great as Killshot and Lucha Underground. You want to know why? Because he didn't talk. Same with Ricochet. Prince Puma didn't talk. They're both incredible athletes. Ricochet is arguably like the best athlete in pro wrestling, period. But as a promo and as a character, they got to figure something out. Because you need a character. You need a promo. You need to attach to an audience. In the WWE, yes. Correct. I mean, that's just, it's the lay of the land. You got to make people remember you. They got to be invested in your character as much as your in-ring ability. So they have that. Malcolm Bivens is with this guy named Tyler Russ. Malcolm is hilarious. Oh, he is so funny. I'm not sure if this guy is going to be the one that like takes him over the edge. They need to find him someone. Well, well, it was, He's too good as a man. It was not going to be the Punjabi authors of pain. It wasn't going to be them. No. So at least we're moving in a different direction. He deserves better because that guy's really good. Yeah, definitely. So uh, that's NXT, like I said, quick and easy to run through. Now we have AEW. And to me, AEW has kind of been in that same pattern as NXT. Yep. Where I'm not sure what they're building. and I'll ask this question first. Are they leaning too much into the Bullet Club and this Impact partnership? No. No, not at all. I feel like a lot of attention is going no. to No. I mean, that, that, that would be saying that they dominate every segment like Roman Reigns on SmackDown. It doesn't. We, we, oh, it we get a lot of Darby Allen and Sting. We've gotten a lot of... They, they move things around. I don't think we're getting too much of it. Um, we're just, you know, we're trying to see what's going to end up with Moxley. Obviously, Moxley showed up in New Japan, so they're moving in that direction. Um, Private Party being in, on Impact is great. Turning them heel, that's also great. I think. I don't know if they need Matt Hardy anymore. They don't need Matt Hardy, <coughs> but you know, they got him, so it is what it is. Um, I don't think AEW has like an overexposure problem with the Bullet Club. I just, I'm just trying to figure out where these storylines go. Like, please, Lord God, can we get out this goddamn Miro angle so we can he can do his own thing? It seems like the end is near. So that's cool. Then you have um, another storyline that'll never end. MJF and Chris Jericho. Yeah, I, I can't talk about it. I mean, it's, it's a lot. They got to they gotta tie this shit up. Just free LAX. Just do that. You can do whatever you want with those two after that. LAX and Sammy Guevara need to do their own thing. That's it. I don't care about anybody yes. else. So that match, tag match, was kind of whack. Cody Rhodes and Shaq. Yeah, I don't like this at all. <laughs> They're going to do it. They're going to do it. But I don't like it. It's a little WWE-ish. Yeah. And, it, you know, some people... Like Bad Bunny, all right, I get it. Snoop Dogg, yeah, I get it. They're okay. not really like real wrestlers or anything. But what are you doing with Cody and Shaq? I'm so not interested in it. No, Shaq is just kind of corny. Like I, I, I've seen Shaq in Big Show. I've seen, I'm good. Um, Hangman Page is just kind of middling. I will say, but he faced a uh, young Ziggler. Yeah, but well, yeah. He did. I will say the Dark Order, that, that tag match, John Silver it looked like 
I don't know if they ever realize how fun this guy is. This little midget can wrestle. He can go. The, like, I like the Dark Order as baby faces works a lot better. And negative one, Brody's son. If anybody's seen this dude on commentary, is fucking incredible. He is hilarious. This is what hell looks like. Shut up, Excalibur. And like Taz can't contain himself. If you guys have seen this on social media, it is the best thing they have going. I love that they've done all this stuff with Brody's son. I love yeah. it. Oh, I didn't even mention I that, that about Brody's son is a heel commentator. He's so funny. This guy got a little Bobby the Brain. He's in hilarious. Him. Um, I didn't mention this on the previous uh, segment, but if anybody saw the New Day's gear that was dedicated to Brody, that shit was fucking incredible. And my boy Johnny Davenport uh, does their gear, and that homage to to Brody. Look, if WWE is not going to pay any homage to Brody because he didn't work for them when he died. Fucking sucks, but that's Vince. But that's that gear was incredible. It was it was great. But again, Brody's son on commentary, fantastic. I put him on there every week. He's great. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it's like when the NFL playoff game had the Nickelodeon. Yeah, it's commentary. Like, oh, you can't go wrong with this. It's funny. Let him live out his dreams, man. Is is he's just he's but he knows what he's doing. Is that's a crazy thing? Like the, he knows how to be a heel. It's great. Anyway, um, Jungle Boy's a pretty good wrestler. Yes, he is. And they paid all that <laughs> money for that theme music, so do something with it. Yes, him versus fucking Dash Wilder. Dax Hardwood. Dax Hardwood, yes. Dax. Which is whatever. Ridiculous now. Um, that's a great porn name. Horrible wrestling name. <laughs> Indeed. So they had a match. I thought it was really good. Jungle Boy now. To me, has had the best match against MGF that we've seen. Uh, his tag matches are cool with Luchasaurus, even though I think he can break. Because really, you can just put um, what Marco in there with Luchasaurus and get the same dynamic, <laughs> right? Like Jungle Boy can just break off on his own. Like I it's, mean, it's cool. Do you, I don't. I wouldn't want to put Mark. He's all, like he's less than Spike Dudley. Unless, you want to yeah. get that man murdered? All right, cool. I mean, yeah, you just need a big guy, small guy dynamic. And stunts easier to carry on the shoulders. Oh, boy. So Jungle Boy, I think, is in the same realm as Sammy Guevara and these other guys who are just really good on that mid-card. And I think he can do a standalone mid-card run. And this showed that. I thought it was a really good match. Yeah, I feel like, like I keep saying, I feel like a Jungle Boy-Darby Allen feud would be incredible if they figure out how to get there. Darby as well. Yeah, of course. Darby with the title, like... Darby, Guevara, MJF, Jungle Boy is a pretty good basis of younger people for the There's future. a lot of stuff they can do. There's a lot of, the, the past two weeks AEW have just been like, eh, all right. Um, they have the pay-per-view coming up, which is an actual pay-per-view. So we'll see what they do. Shaq and Cody does not intrigue me at all. But as they begin to shuffle these parts around and get them into more prominent positions like Jungle Boy and I don't know what they're doing with Darby and Sting. We'll see how far this thing goes. Um, but even the tag division, Pac, like they have a lot of talent where it's almost like, damn, you kind of want them to have a second show so everybody else can work. But then you don't because it's like you got to fix You just got to do the shit what you have with the first show. And Dark is fine, whatever. But they, they're they fine. I get it. Um, I just don't know where some of these things are going. I, I don't know. We, we'll see what happens with Kenny Omega. Looks like him and Moxie are going at a rematch. Yeah, possibly. Well, come on, we. I I think we know how this one's got to end. Mox is going to need some time off. 
Yeah. Renee's about to have that baby. Yep. I mean, paternity leave could be on the horizon. I, I think there's no need to necessarily make him lose twice. But again, there's plenty of ways to make him lose by shenanigans again. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Kenny has a lot of people at his disposal now to cause Moxley. Um, before we go, the last thing they can't do is seemingly build a women's division. Their women's division sucks. It is thin, and outside of Britt Breaker, no one has a character. No, and they and they like Kenny Omega will keep saying stuff on like, "Yo, I can't wait till we spotlight the women's division." Okay, who? Like, sign Thunder Rosa. Yep, and I love Swole, but Swole doesn't have yeah, a character. Sign Serena Deeb. Like, just get them. Do what you have to do. Like, because we don't see Rio. I don't know. Like, Nyla Rose, what's going on? Like get rid of Vicky Guerrero. Let Nyla do her own thing. Like, come on, figure something out. The women's division is trash. Yeah, stagnant for the year. Everything else has kind of grown a little. There's no growth in the women's it's division. Bad, real bad. Yeah, so we'll see where that plays out. Um, we'll have two pay per views to preview next week, I believe, because AW and we'll have the NXT pay per view. So we'll see what they do between now and then to get us excited later on this week we still have a combat sports podcast coming at you guys on friday so boxing and mma on that one so that should be fun you guys get shows pretty much back to back this week since we started a little later in the week which is always good so we appreciate you as always hopefully you guys are out there staying safe staying rona free Make sure you guys check us out on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. You can follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale on all platforms as well. Check out our other show, Wrestling with Stereotypes, on adfreeshows.com. Great content. Each episode just keeps getting better and better. We appreciate you guys supporting us on there as well. It has been fun. Shout out to Blue Wire, the network. Shout out to all the sponsors. Until Friday, we're out. Peace.